for Thames Radio in collaboration with the Audio Content Fund, this is Heartland. Young people telling you stories about life in our hometowns, asking what work in the shadow of heavy industry looks like in Britain today. Two main things happened when the COVID pandemic hit. Entire sectors of the economy were ordered to shut down. And the second thing is that most employers also stopped hiring. So we faced a situation we never had before. Many of our schools immediately had to cease normal learning and move to supervised learning. Young people's mental health was snapped in two by the situation. We all had to grow up in the pandemic, no matter who you were. It's a new way of living, and it still is a new way of living. My name's Shay. I'm 18 years old, and I'm from North Belfast. Growing up, I used to walk around the city centre a lot, hanging out with my friends at the big face by the River Leggan and the City Hall. So... When I was asked to make this programme for Times Radio, I thought the best way to introduce my town was probably on foot. There's different bars, there's different restaurants, different groups of people that will come in the town. You know, you would have people that are just coming home from work or you would have people on a nice day just sitting in here, you know, relaxing. Yeah, this is the centre of Belfast. So the way I look at it is this way is north, that's west, east and the back is south. Belfast has always felt very authentic to me and I like seeing different types of people and landmarks across the city. There's always something going on. It's also a city where a third of the population are young people, making it one of the youngest cities in Europe. But with two years lost to the pandemic, our mental health struggling and teaching resources stretched out, it's hard to be a young person right now. I couldn't leave my house to do my regular routine. I was in breach of everything. I couldn't exercise, I couldn't go to school and learn. I couldn't learn what I'm going to do in life. I couldn't experience anything in life. I was just stuck inside in the house and becoming depressed and wanting to sleep. I had missed out on doing my GCSE test, which had led to receiving postal grades. So it wasn't a fair trade for me. I didn't have an opportunity of doing the exam, which I would highly likely be capable of passing. So with me not receiving the correct grades that I wanted to receive, I couldn't stay on and I couldn't study any A-levels because I hadn't had any GCSEs. I felt rough. I felt really, really, really shocked. I felt that I was never going to get a job, that I was never able to work in life, felt held back. In my last year of GCSEs, 61 teaching days were lost in schools across Northern Ireland. That's almost a third of the academic year. As a result, some journalists and researchers have started referring to school leavers in my year as a lost generation. As someone who personally lost out in the pandemic, I wanted to investigate what the full impact of COVID was on young people. In my case, because I couldn't continue to do A-levels, I decided to pick up a trade instead. 
paper has to lay in with the wallpaper yet. It has to lay in with the other the other sheet of paper that's already hung. I'm learning something new every day. Yes, you are indeed. You are indeed, son. So say right now, I'm studying painting and decorating at Brazen House, an organisation that provides practical skills and training for school leavers, young people and out-of-work adults. This is my tutor, Sandra. She's currently teaching me how to wallpaper. Always use the scissors. Get used to using the scissors, it's good practice. Scissors are so important. I know it's sometimes My name is Sandra McMurrin and I'm a tutor mentor in BCTNI. We are based in Ardoin. We offer a service to the vulnerable young kids in Belfast, the North Belfast area and West Belfast area. Young kids with backgrounds that have um, came from terrible backgrounds, either from drug abuse, alcohol abuse, families suffering through the pandemic, unable to feed their children. As Northern Ireland entered the pandemic, nearly one in five people were living in poverty, including over 100,000 children. And according to a study by the Prince's Trust and the Learning and Work Institute, young people in Northern Ireland have suffered a 19% drop in work hours compared to before the pandemic. For educators, it's meant they had to get creative about making teaching more accessible. I actually taught painting and decorating online through Teams, the theory part of it. And as the pandemic progressed, Sandra began running these workshops in person at Brayson House. She tells me why it was so important to keep students upbeat and motivated. These young ones are coming in and obviously with the pandemic, the fact that that has had on them has really dampened their moods. They're not seeing much light at the end of the tunnel. If I show them something to do, teach them, they are able to put it in practice themselves and the confidence to walk out of here is just amazing. We've got to the stage that we would have them in and we would train them up and then get them out on a work placement so that they get the experience of being out on work and in the world of work. I learned that it was so, so important to keep the, the young vulnerable kids in some sort of workshop or some sort of practical stuff to, to keep them active. It was so important. You didn't realise how much being out and socialising affected you. That's Brianna. She's 15 and she's from Arnoyne, the same community as myself. I've met up with some young members of the Belfast City Youth Council to get a better picture of how the pandemic affected them, both personally and academically. The Youth Council is made up of 40 teenagers from communities across Belfast. 14-year-old Adam tells me how the pandemic impacted his grades. In first year, before COVID started, I was doing well. I was like, getting average scores in my tests, and since since then, I don't know anything about anything. Aoife and Mercedes told me how their friends also struggled through the pandemic. I have friends who didn't have like good access to Wi-Fi or devices, and some of them really struggled with that during online learning. I mean, online learning, I suppose, for me, I found it easy enough, I was happy enough with it, I actually preferred it, but for other people, obviously it was harder on them and it was just, it was hectic. 
Forced to study from home, many students struggle with limited resources. This just added further pressure to them and their families. And research backs this up. In a Queen's University study, it was found that throughout the pandemic, parents and cars in less fancy homes across Northern Ireland spent less time teaching. This is because they felt less confident teaching at home. For Liam Taggart much, this problem was all too familiar. As a mental health worker at the Technical College Bracing House, this was a common issue. This is systemic across all of the UK, where we have children whose parents are struggling so hard to survive, especially in today. They're struggling so hard to put food on the table and heat and, and a roof over their kids' heads that they don't focus so much on the pastoral care and the support and the wealth, uh, health and well-being of the kids. And so they're falling through the cracks, as in maybe not getting their qualifications. And then they're, they're feeling a bit like, what are we going to do next? Where are we going to go? Even our teachers and our educational system across the UK are so swamped with the amount of work that they have to do that they can only teach in particularly one or two learning styles. And if that's not your learning style, well, then you fall behind. I wanted to understand how schools were responding to this pressure. So I spoke to Seamus Bradley, the Assistant Director for Education at Northern Ireland's Education Authority. Our schools had to move very, very quickly. Parents had to adjust, children had to adjust, and the schools themselves had to adjust. And so in the early stages, an awful lot of our work was reacting in that space. The Education Authority provides support to schools and young people across the region. One of the main priorities they faced during the pandemic was digital access. From the outset, the Education Authority worked very closely with the Department of Education here in Northern Ireland, which is the devolved government department with responsibility for education provision. Working in partnership with them, we launched a scheme that was announced by the Education Minister in May 2020 to provide digital devices uh, to the disadvantaged and vulnerable learners who the schools would identify as not having sufficient access at home. So all in all, we deployed almost 40,000 devices out to families and homes in that period. So about 39,500 devices went out. Organisations such as Brazen House also tried to provide solutions within communities. So in a lot of these homes, there, there was no internet. Elaine tigered much. There wasn't even a way for them to communicate with their, their, their friends if they had a phone which maybe had £15 a month for X amount of minutes. When it was gone, you literally were locked in until the next month, until your credit came round again. So the ways of contacting your friends and having those normal conversations, even to take you out of your own head, was completely restricted and sometimes cut off completely. And that's where Bryson were absolutely amazing. Not that I'm, I'm plugging Bryson, but they were amazing at getting the tablets out to all of our trainees and then speaking to parents who didn't have internet in the home, even for people who were on the poverty line, because we run a breakfast morning in here where we feed the trainees. I discovered earlier on that we had a few trainees in the building who maybe hadn't eaten in a day and a half. And then their tutors were saying, I'm really struggling with their concentration. Do you know what's going on with them? And then I was finding out they hadn't eaten. So if you hadn't eaten in a day and a half, how are you meant to concentrate? So 
we delivered food to the homes for our trainees and we went out with food vouchers as well and that was a weekly thing that so anyone could sign up you did not have to be it wasn't a case of oh the poorest people get it was literally this is an offer to every single trainee what would help you best during this time would 40 pounds of electric 40 pounds of heat or a 40 pound food voucher help your your family the need for the community aid was at an all-time high during COVID, and it wasn't just Bryson House who noticed it. So, my name's Anthony, and I am a community youth leader, and I've been doing so for 15 years. Anthony noticed when the pandemic hit, important policy decisions were put on pause. This meant youth-focused research by the Belfast Youth Forum was left behind for two years. Everything could put to the back. Nothing else was important, was seen as important by anybody who was in the policy of decision-making areas because the pandemic came first, which led to a lot of good work, like the reports on the any use report and stuff like that being put into the background and forgotten about for two years. During the pandemic, community support work became a vital lifeline for struggling families. As Anthony explains, it was through door-to-door contact that the true extent of people's poor mental health became clear. On the front line, I was one of the council staff who volunteered to do food parcel deliveries around the more vulnerable and families and stuff. And you've seen a lot of people who isolated out of complete fear, isolated and mental health came into it really badly. 14-year-old Kayla from the Belfast City Youth Council tells me why the mental health of young people is so vulnerable. I think the most challenging part that I've seen in the aftermath of COVID is the effect it's had on mental health and on young people and education. I mean, teachers are trying so hard right now to get booster classes and to get people to get their grades back up and to get people more motivated to come into school. But through the pandemic, people have just, their mental health has just plummeted really. And it's been awful and how it's affected people. And it's not that people haven't studied over lockdown or that they haven't tried. It's just that their motivation has gone. They're not motivated anymore because through COVID, they've just lost that spark to want to do better. My name is Laura Blackledge, I'm 16 and I'm from South Belfast. One negative thing that COVID taught me was that there's not a lot of support for young people's mental health and just like mental health in general. A lot of my friends like really struggled with their mental health and like even now they haven't come back to school because of it and there's not like a lot of support like like even from their friends like a lot of people have just like forgot about them. For 15 year old Thomas Murphy the pandemic proved the tipping point for many young people. One negative thing that kind of showed in the pandemic was how fragile young people's mental health was, like that it was snapped in two by the situation. In Belfast, we experienced 20 to 25 percent higher levels of mental health difficulties when compared to the rest of the UK. The pandemic has undoubtedly made this worse. A fandom from the Prince's Trust Youth Index revealed that more than a quarter of young people feel that COVID left them unable to cope with life. Some people described it to me like a death. Elaine from Bryson again. Where they had this whole wonderful life and then one day it just stops. And everything that they knew that was normal and in their life, the pandemic changed the world and our kids went from having freedom to being locked inside four walls. For Elaine, Mental health investment is key. There's less investment in mental health in Northern Ireland than the rest of the UK. Our health service here is pushed to the limit. Proper mental health education from a young age could help people better their life. Elaine tells me what resources she would implement to potentially achieve this. Where do you go if you want great mental health? There's nowhere. 
There's absolutely nowhere. You can look at stuff online and on YouTube, but if we're teaching kids how to manage anxiety in primary school, if we're teaching and then we're reinforcing that in secondary school, I think we're going to have much well-rounded, balanced kids coming out because they'll know how to deal with stressful situations. For Dirty Hughes, such anxiety and stress surrounding unemployment and poverty were part of her backdrop growing up during the Troubles. She uses these experiences as a motivation in her role as a government advisor on education. I grew up in the 70s in a working class housing estate in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. The Troubles were a 30-year period of brutal sectarian violence in Northern Ireland, which began in the 1960s. Many Catholics and Protestants died, including members of my own family. And I witnessed really the first-hand effects of unemployment on individuals, on families and on communities. So I'm very, very mindful of adults worrying about the cost of living, feeding their children, paying their bills young people feeling displaced, particularly after COVID, and also perhaps for some people feeling a real lack of hope for opportunity. And um, this has really influenced my work that I've developed over the years. When I spoke to the students in Belfast City Youth Council, quite a few had mentioned the fact that their work placements have been cancelled during the pandemic. It's not hard to imagine how scary this feels when looking at an uncertain future. Just imagine if you had a generation of young people who haven't had any experience of the world of work or exposure to the world of work. You know, if you live in a community where, um, you know, there's high unemployment, intergenerational unemployment, it's really, really hard to break that cycle and to feel that actually you can have a different and perhaps um, richer life. And I, I say that really because unemployment is the most important factor affecting well-being. For Dirty, well-being is crucial. COVID has had an impact around how employers think about their workforce. But I'm very conscious that in rural communities and coastal towns, in certain geographical areas, the main impact of COVID has been that fewer employers are giving young people a chance. And we have to reverse that. I think this is a really important point. Inequality increased through the pandemic, in part due to geography. I asked Dirty if she could see any policy solutions. I think one of the most important things for policymakers and for educationalists uh, and employers is let's talk about levelling within, not just levelling up. Because if the pendulum swings too far towards a north-south divide or certain areas get more funding compared to another area, you will just compound disadvantage for the young people that are living in the areas where maybe you could make the situation worse because certain areas might get even fewer resources because it just so happens that there's a city or there's a town where geographically they're, they're best positioned. So my message really about um, levelling up would be be careful that what you wish for, because what you might do in your allocation of scarce resources, you might actually have a detrimental effect in some areas that will compound problems around youth unemployment. 
Having heard from both those working in local communities and policy, I was curious what the job might look like for young people in Belfast post-COVID. So I spoke to Labour Market Economist, Powell Adrian, as Head of Research at Indeed, the UK and the world's largest job site. He's across all the latest data for employment rates in Britain and Northern Ireland. So right now we're seeing actually that job vacancies are at record highs or near record highs across almost all sectors of the economy. That's because the labour market has overall recovered fairly swiftly uh, from the pandemic. But some of the sectors where we've seen the largest increases in job vacancies have been sectors like manufacturing, construction and hospitality. The good news for Belfast and Northern Ireland is that uh, the labour market has recovered from the worst of the crisis. uh, And that's certainly good news for people who are looking to enter the job market or looking to switch jobs. Uh, The not so good news is that recovery is lagging the rest of the UK slightly. I think one of the reasons why Belfast isn't benefiting from the jobs boom as much as some other cities across the UK is that the places where we're seeing the fastest recovery in job postings and in the labour market as a whole tend to be places which are manufacturing and distribution hubs, uh, and many of those are clustered in the north of England or in the Midlands. That said, Paul is still optimistic. The latest official statistics show a record low number of unemployed people per job vacancy across the UK. So that means that overall, it's uh, easier to get a job than it was just a year or two ago. And specifically in construction, every month there are tens of thousands of vacancies available across the UK. My message you know, for young people leaving school is try and find out what you're curious about. Dirty. The government advisor I spoke to earlier also has some advice for young people entering the job market. Try things out. Have a go. The worst thing you can do is actually not try something out. So my sort of advice to school leaders is seize every opportunity you can. Build up your skills and your confidence. It's really, really important that we help young people now I see the future as positive and that there are real opportunities. There's so much doom and gloom, you know, in the news and politics in Northern Ireland and politics worldwide. And in a way, you've got to be optimistic. I think being curious and open-minded are the right kind of positives to take away from the pandemic. What would be the most valuable lesson you've learned from COVID? Um, probably just like to stay positive, even though like so much bad things are going on in the world. Keep a positive mentality, yeah. Yeah. I'm Tomas Murphy. I'm 15 and I live in South Belfast. One positive thing was just, I know how communities banded together and how people kind of put aside a lot of, like like if you disliked your neighbour, like you wouldn't stop like checking in on them or something. Like it, it really, I know it restored a bit of faith in like no people's kindness. And I, I guess one lesson I learned was just not take things for granted. But COVID, it, it did help me in some ways, you know, learn about myself and obviously I had time to kind of take a step back from the world and see it. Look at things at a different perspective, yeah. Did you learn anything important from COVID-19? Well, I think it gave me a lot of time to sort of learn new skills and things like that, you know, read a lot more. 
I am doing very well in my painting of that rating course. I have been doing it now for over eight months. Usually we would do this on the table. And I'm moving on to level two to go on to apprenticeship now. It's been a big, big change for me. I never expected to become a painter or decorator. Never thought I could be able to pick a trade up in town. So things are just going unexpectedly great. This documentary was presented by me, Shao Robson Taylor, and produced by Hunter Charlton and Ben Tula, with assistant production from Tess Davison. Thank you, Arlie Arlington, Anna Bod, and Guy Gardner for your additional support. Heartlands is a Thames radio series brought to you by the Audio Content Fund.